your Bibles this morning, look with me in the book of Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19. I want to thank you for the pastor appreciation. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for your patience and uh, thank you for putting up with me. And uh, I know that's a, that's a load sometimes to put up with me, but I thank you for that. Uh, I believe God is doing something special here and uh, it's not because of one person or one family or one ministry. It's because of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And uh, it's Him and Him alone that adds to the church and that builds the church. And I'm so thankful that He allows us to witness what He's doing. And, uh, and, and child of God, understand that I, I appreciate all your labor and what you're doing. 
but at the end of the day, the blessings come from above. And uh, we're going to give him honor and we're going to give him glory. And uh, I believe in a week or two will be three years that I've been here at Promised Land. And uh, I just appreciate what y'all have done. Uh, y'all have picked on me since I've been here. And, uh, and I, if you remember, the weekend that I came was a weekend that Arkansas and LSU played. And I like to call in sick my very first weekend because that's the last time Arkansas beat LSU. So I thought I was going to call in, so I'll never forget the weekend that I came here, but it's been a blessing these last three years. And I can't wait to see what the Lord has in front of us and ahead of us. Revelation 19, I ask you to stand with me. I've been in a study on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights in Revelation. I skipped this little part. Uh, four verses that I skipped because I wanted to cover them on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest, this is probably one of the most controversial subjects. Uh, once you go from denomination to denomination, even within the Baptist ranks, even within theologians, there's all different answers and different questions about the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, the bride of Christ, and we're going to cover that this morning and you may disagree with some of what this preacher has to say, but I'm going to do my best to use Scripture. And we're going to go with what the Scripture said, but sometimes it's not definite. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things belong unto the Lord. And if I get a little bit wrong or a little bit off, don't get on me too bad, Okay? Because not everything is defined for us, but we have the scriptures to apply it the best we can. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take the Word of God, and we're going to take scripture for, for scripture, and we're going to compare it, and we're going to apply it appropriately. So go with me this morning in Revelation 19 in verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. I love this. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I ask for grace this morning as I try to preach this. This is not my message, but this is your message. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be soft and pliable to the preaching of your word. God, it doesn't matter what tradition tells us. It doesn't matter what theolog uh, theology tells us. It doesn't matter what religion says. All that matters is what your word says. And I pray that you'd help us to apply this the right way. Lord, give us wisdom. And dear God, I just am so thankful for this place called heaven. And I'm so thankful for the thought that one day we're going to be able to celebrate. That you're going to call us home and you're going to get us out of this whole world. Lord, I pray souls will be saved this morning. I pray us as saved people will be drawn closer. 
and our relationship to Jesus Christ. And all this I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on the marriage of the Lamb. And you don't have to go to all the different points because my points are a little different. The Lord kind of molded me and changed me this morning. But I want to talk about the marriage of the Lamb. And I want to be specific this morning. And for us to draw the context of this, this marriage ceremony has taken place at the end of the seven-year period of tribulation. This takes place in heaven. This takes place, no doubt, where we are rejoicing. This is a very happy time. This is right before the battle of Armageddon. In the battle of Armageddon, we will follow our Lord and Savior, and we will come back to planet Earth, and where He and we with Him will rule and reign during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Boy, isn't that going to be a wonderful day? And it's going to be a wonderful thing to be able to go to heaven and to be able to celebrate. If you look in Revelation 19 and verse 1, the hallelujahs, the three hallelujahs are spoken here. And we're just praising God for what He's doing. This is at the end of the seven vials, the end of the 21 judgments upon lost people. This is a very rough time going on on earth. But in heaven, this is a celebration. In heaven, we will be gathered around the throne of God, and we will be celebrating. Isn't it going to be a wonderful day? Isn't it going to be a wonderful day, the day that we get to see Jesus? Y'all don't have to be happy about it. That's all right. But we're going to be happy when we get to see Jesus, and we get to fall before His holy and heavenly throne. What a day that's going to be. I want us to look at this morning the marriage of the Lamb. I want you to look at in verse 7. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. In the midst of all of this rejoicing, in the midst of all of this celebration, there will be a ceremony that takes place in heaven. There will be a formal ceremony that takes place. We see in verse 7 that the bride is distinct. We see that the bride is called out. We see that in heaven there is a bride and a bridegroom. Now there's no argument of who the bridegroom is. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the bridegroom. He is the one that we will worship there. And may I tell you the only reason that anybody will be in that place called heaven is because of Jesus. The only way to go to heaven today is not by being a church member, not by being baptized, not by good works, but it's through faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. If you have faith in your work, you're wrong. You must have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Understand the ceremony that's taken place has absolutely nothing to do with the salvation that we get from Jesus Christ. Everything that goes on in heaven and about us being in heaven is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? The ceremony is to show what has taken place between God and His people. So, number one, there's three questions I want to ask. Number one, why is there a ceremony? Why is there a marriage? Well, number one, because of celebration. The only reason that you have a marriage ceremony is to celebrate the love between two people. 
Well, this ceremony will be a celebration about the love that Jesus Christ has with his bride. We will celebrate the fact that Jesus loves us. We will celebrate the love that will be between us and the Lord. Why, Brother Hayden, did you have a ceremony? Because you love her. And you wanted to celebrate with all of your friends and everybody in attendance. You wanted to celebrate the love affair, if you will, that you have with Miss Marissa. Is that correct? So a ceremony is about celebrating. It is about celebrating the love that Christ has for us. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loved us? Aren't you thankful that He didn't just love us, but He loves us now and He will love us forevermore? We will go and we will celebrate that love between us in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. Not only does Jesus love us, but His people ought to love Him. And we will celebrate the love that not only Jesus has for us, but that the love that we have for Him. Not only is it a celebration, but it is an act of unification. What is the ceremony for? It is about two people coming together. Two people coming together, joining to be one. Brother Hayden, I'm going to pick on you all day, okay? So y'all just get ready over there. Y'all just got married. But what is the purpose of this ceremony? It is about you two coming together. You've already been engaged. You've already claimed her as your bride. But all you got to do is come to this ceremony. These, these vows take place. So for the purpose of coming together to be unified together, it's biblical. The, the Bible said, if a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife and be one flesh. A marriage ceremony is about becoming one. Becoming one. What is so beautiful about this ceremony in heaven is there will nothing else stand in the way between us and Jesus Christ. When we get to glory land, we will be unified with the Lord forevermore. There will nothing else stand in the way between us and Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Hold your finger there and look in Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation 21. You knew Revelation, didn't you? Revelation 21 and verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Nothing else standing in the way. No distractions between us and Jesus. This ceremony is to show the dedication of the love that Jesus has with His bride. And we will be unified together forevermore. I'm telling you, every child of God will go to heaven forevermore. He doesn't just give you abundant life. He gives you everlasting life. Everlasting life. And when we get to glory land, we will be unified forevermore. Once you get to heaven, you can't leave it. You're there for all of eternity. And you'll be joined together for all of eternity. There'll be no excuses why you can't go to that temple. Hello? There'll be nothing holding you back from serving the Lord in that day. Oh, I'm glad when that marriage takes place, it will be a picture of the unity between Christ in his bride. So question number two, who is the bride? That's why y'all been all quiet this morning, isn't it? Who is the bride? I want you to look in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, 
And so many times that is the argument. Who is the bride? Well, I'm going to do my best this morning to show you in Scripture who the bride is. And I think we must understand that when we look in Revelation 19 that the bride is distinct. That it is a a group of people, if you will, that is separate from other people. You say, "Are, are you telling me there will be people in heaven that is outside the bride? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Is every child of God from Abraham's time up until Jesus returns, even in tribulation time, will they all be in the bride? I don't think so. And if you look across the Bible and you look across theology, I think it's clear that in Christianity that that there are separate groups and ages and there will be a certain group that will be the bride of Christ. Now let me tell you something. That does not mean that heaven is going to be worse or better for somebody else. So many times we automatically go to the point and the place that, well, you know, God's not going to hurt any feelings. And God, in, in His eyes, we're all equal. And yes, there's a point there, but there's something I want you to see here. In John chapter 3, John the Baptist, the man who prepared the material for Jesus Christ and prepared the way for the church. Notice what he said in verse 29, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. I love this verse. He must increase, but I must decrease. So John the Baptist, he tackles something. Because a lot of people thinking he's the Christ. And he said, listen, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Him that can save your soul. But I am the friend of the bridegroom. Notice again what He said. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth Him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. He is putting Himself in the place of a groomsman. The purpose of the groomsman in that day was to prepare the way for the ceremony, to get every thing ready on the groom's behalf. And John the Baptist is making himself not the bride. He's not making himself a part of the bride or even the bridegroom. But he said, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. So he is placing himself outside of the bridegroom. And automatically our motion says, poor John the Baptist. But John the Baptist said this, this my joy therefore is fulfilled. Now you got to understand that he's talking through the inspiration of God. And he says, listen folks, I know my job and I know my duty. And I know what God has called me to do. And this is what God's called me to do, is to prepare the way for the bridegroom. To prepare the way to get the ceremony ready between Jesus and his bride. Boy, isn't that beautiful. And so many times we say, oh, that's hurtful. Man, John, John the Baptist's feelings going to be hurt. He said, my feelings not hurt at all. Because I come and I fulfilled what God has called me to do. John understand that he had his place. And may I tell you this, he did it well. He did it well. He fulfilled the Word of God. He preached repentance. He preached a different message that has ever been heard on the face of the earth. And he pointed people to Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? 
Man, y'all quiet as all get out this morning. And we say, oh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist did exactly what God called him to do. And he was satisfied. He was satisfied. He was satisfied. Now, I want you to go with me. I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. So we realize that not everybody is in the bride. And I believe it's pretty clear that as you go through the Scripture, that Israel is not the bride. Israel as a whole will not be the bride of Christ. Why? Because they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. John the Baptist claimed, I'm not in this bride. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. Look in Ephesians chapter 5. You say, who else is not in the bride? Well, we know Israel is not in the bride, and I believe the tribulation saints will not be in the bride. A lot of people categorize that the bride will be those saved from the conception of the church all the way up into the rapture of the church. That, that is a belief. I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 25, when we look at who is the bride, I think this is very important. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He may present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we see the bride here are blood-bought people that are cleansed and sanctified by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You listen to me. There will not be a soul in heaven. Listen to me. Every place or every soul that will be in heaven at that time will be there by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Everyone that is in heaven, everyone that is in the marriage ceremony, everyone that is a part of the bride has been washed by the blood of the Lamb. But it says here that Christ gave Himself for His bride. Aren't you glad that Christ gave Himself for you? Aren't you glad that He died for you? Aren't you glad that He cleansed you, forgave you, redeemed you, washed you. Man, I'm telling you, with all that you had going wrong with you, He saved you and loved you anyway. And everyone that is inside of this bride, inside of this bride has been washed spotless by the blood of the Lamb. And man, I'm telling you, the Bible says that He's preparing the bride. He's getting us ready for that glorious day that He's going to return. I see some people that are in this bride that have dedicated dedicated themselves to Jesus and are sticking to the blood of the Lamb and allowing Christ to purge them and to cling them. And I'm telling you, these are folks that are walking according to the will of God and giving themselves to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I believe. You say, preacher, who's the bride? Well, you got to be born again by the blood of the Lamb. The only way to be part of the, of the bride is to be saved and know Jesus. But it says that He's preparing His Bride, let me tell you something. You will not be the bride by your own power. It will be by the power that works within you. Amen? Amen. It's Him within us. It's Him in us doing this work that is preparing us. If you go in your mind to Revelation 19, it said two different times that the bride hath prepared herself that we are clothed, the bride is clothed in the righteousness of saints. It's a little different there than we normally see it. It is the works 
that God's people have done. Not because God's people are special in their own power. It's because that God is working in them to do this great and mighty thing. When you get there to heaven and you have this white robe, it will not be because of your power. It will be because of His power. And you will receive and achieve these things because of Jesus Christ. Now, I want, to, I want us to go a little further. If you're with me, say amen. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I'm glad nobody's walked out the door yet. Second Corinthians chapter 11. And what I am trying to do is to draw us a picture to get us a little more intimate with Jesus Christ. To get us a little more passionate and to get a little closer between us and the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul is talking to a group of baptized believers coveted together to carry out the Great Commission. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to saved people. And he said in verse 2, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. He said, Church, you're engaged to Jesus. Child of God, we're engaged to Jesus. This is the engagement, the betrothal uh, process that we are going through in this life right now. We are engaged to Jesus Christ. Boy, isn't that beautiful? We're engaged to Jesus Christ. What did you do, Brother Hayden, when you engaged her? You gave her a token of your love and your dedication. That, that came in a ring. Probably cost a lot, didn't it? I hope so. Don't give us the price this morning. Get you in trouble. The very moment we got engaged to Jesus, it cost Him everything. And there was a covenant that was made between us and the Lord, and it's called salvation. And it's not something that we keep or, or continue to work for. It's something that He gave us freely. Salvation is a free gift. And at that very moment, we are a spouse to Jesus Christ. We are engaged to Jesus Christ because we know that one day a marriage ceremony is going to take place. Now let's keep reading. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through her, through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Who's he talking to? He's talking to saved people. Saved people, can you lose your salvation? Absolutely not. Let me say that again. You cannot lose your salvation. But this is what Paul's saying. I am working to present you as a chaste virgin before the Lord. A chaste virgin. One who has kept herself clean before her, her spouse. Brother Hayden, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to pick on you. Miss Marissa, I'm so sorry. I'm going to pick on you. You get engaged, Brother Hayden. And you get engaged, you're in love, and man, I'm telling you, she's the world to you. But during that period between the engagement to the marriage ceremony, she has a job. And it's to stay pure and to be faithful to you. Is that right? Is that not what Paul is saying? What's going to happen if she cheats on you? Don't say that out loud, please. What's going to happen if she's not faithful? What's going to happen if she gives herself to the world and to other men? 
It's over. You're cutting it off, right? There's no more engagement. It's over with. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't work like that? My goodness. Why would you marry a woman who has not been faithful to you? This ceremony, we, we get all bent out of shape over this ceremony. This ceremony is a celebration and a reward to God's people for staying faithful and clean and pure to the Lord. And you say, preacher, have you ever been that woman, <laughs> that woman, the bride that has not been faithful to Jesus? Absolutely. And then Marissa comes in and says, Hey, now I hadn't been faithful. You're cutting it off. You're done. Oh, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm not forgiving you. I'm not forgiving you. Boy, I'm glad you're not Jesus. May I tell you that I've been unfaithful to Jesus? May I tell you I've committed adultery on Jesus? May I tell you that Jesus wants me spotless from this whole world? He wants me to come out from among them. He wants me to be separate. He wants me to live a different life. And you say, preacher, what happens if you don't bless God? He's a forgiving God. He's a man, he's a cleansing God. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll wash you white as snow. And what's so important there, Brother Hayden, is you may tell Marissa, Well, I'll forgive you, but I ain't gonna forget it. I'm glad you're not God. He can throw our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. And if you've been unfaithful and unloyal to Him, He'll forgive you. He'll forgive you and wash you white as snow. Paul said, I'm trying to get you in this relationship to understand that when I get done with you, I want to present you as this church without spot and without blemish. Notice what he said in verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He was scared that these believers would not be presented as this chaste virgin. Something to think about there, isn't it? You say, what does that mean for me, preacher? You be faithful to God. And you come out from among them. You listen to me. Y'all come out from among them. You be separate from this world and you live for Jesus Christ. We can, we can argue who the bride and who the bride and who the bride. But let me tell you something. When Jesus comes back, when the bridegroom comes to get His bride, you better, man, you better hope that you're living right, that you're living faithful. We won't be going there how we're living. We'll be going there by the blood of the Lamb. But once we get there, we will be rewarded for everything that we have done on this earth. I want you to look in Revelation 22. And I know there's this thought that when we get to glory land, that everything is going to be equal. Let me tell you this. God is not a socialist. Y'all let that sink in a minute. Socialism is this thought that everybody can work at a different level, but the rewards are all going to be the same. That's wrong. And that's not glory land. When we get there, let me tell you something. Heaven will not be bad for anybody. We will all rejoice and be glad. And bless God, the former things will be passed away. All things will become new in our life. All tears will be wiped away. But understand, God's not a socialist. And God's going to reward us according to our works. I want you to listen to this in Revelation 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly... Child of God, He's coming quickly. 
Lost person, he's coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. What does that mean? It's not even across the board. In fact, there's five different crowns that we can get when we get to glory land. Not everybody will get all five crowns. Well, that's not fair. Yes, it is. Let me tell you something. Heaven is going to be a celebration. And we will be there because of Him. But when we get there, we will receive the reward of our work here on earth. And I'm going to tell you something, and I know this is harsh. I know I've been called blunt a few times, but I'm going to be blunt here. You get saved at seven years old, and you die at 70, and you've done nothing for Jesus, and you think, yes, He's going to welcome you if you're truly saved by the blood of the Lamb. Absolutely! You can't lose your salvation. I question whether you're really saved, but we'll let you and God take, up, take that business up. But 60 years on earth, and you've done nothing for the Lord... And then these people are received who's been faithful to the Lord and they've kept themselves spotless. Do you think your rewards are going to be the same? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Jesus said right here in Revelation, He said, I come quickly, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. If that's not enough, Jesus said, and then shall He reward every man according to his works. In Matthew 16, in Galatians 6, whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In 1 Corinthians 3.8 Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. According to his own labor. Understand when you get to glory land, you will be clothed with a robe of righteousness. And the apparel that you will have will be the rewards that you got on this side. If you live faithful to Jesus... That ain't going to make you go to heaven. But He will reward you. He will make it worth it. May, may I tell you, it's worth serving Jesus this morning. We get so bent out of shape about this bride. Oh, this bride this and this bride this. I, you know, child of God, get faithful to Jesus. Come out from the world. Live a godly life for Jesus Christ. I do not believe a man that has given himself to the gospel every day, separating himself for the world, is going to be rewarded the same that a man that's lived here six, 60 years and done nothing for Jesus Christ. That's not biblical. And the marriage of the Lamb, Jesus will be united with the bride. Friend, this is not separating heaven. This is a reward for the saints who have lived faithfully dedicated to the, to the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when you get to glory land, it's going to be worth it. Amen. Oh, preacher, but that's not fair. God's not a socialist. We're not going to get up there. This ain't America in heaven. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, you made a lot more than everybody else, so you share your rewards. It ain't going to be that way. The Bible said if a man won't work to eat, don't let him eat. So if he don't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. God has no pity on a man that gets the salvation that he offered him and sits there on the pew for 50 years and does nothing with it. 
something's wrong. Say, preacher, what do we do? I'm glad you asked the question. Revelation 2, I'm almost done. If the pianist will come, we're going to go ahead and get ready. Revelation 2, what happened to the church at Ephesus? They left their first love. Revelation 2, in verse 5, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Child of God, if we've not been faithful, if we've not been faithful, we need to repent. We need to go back to our first love. You say, preacher, at what point does he reward us? If he returns today, he will reward us accordingly. If you have lived evil for 20 years and you repented of your sins yesterday and you got right and you gave yourself to Jesus Christ, He's going to reward you. You do not want Him to find you not doing your job. That's where the rewards come. Because I believe, Miss V, if I do a lifetime of, of evil and wicked, but I repent the day before Jesus comes back, that He's going to reward me appropriately. And all of those things as I, I have asked forgiveness for, He's thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that awesome? Like they never happened. But here's a problem. I don't know when He's coming back. If Jesus gave us a date and a time, let's be honest, you wouldn't get saved till the day before He came. You know why we got to live for Jesus every day? Because the day may be the day. We got service planned tonight, but I have no idea if we're going to make it. But if Jesus opens up the eastern sky and He comes back right now, how will He find us doing our job? Paul said, I'm working hard for you to see and to realize that everything on this earth is about when we get to meet Jesus. And that your life's going to be an open book before the Lord. You can't hide to Him. You can't cover it up. Everything will be naked to His eye. And He'll see our works. Oh, I hope He's pleased. Church, thank you for letting me be your pastor. Three years I've been your pastor. But I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please Him. Well, I don't like that preacher. Who cares? I don't like the job he's doing. Who cares? And Brother Hayden, I need to understand that more and more every day. I need to care what my master thinks of me. I'm his bride. And he's the bridegroom. Oh, I pray he finds me faithful. I, I pray he finds you faithful, spotless. Oh, stay under the fountain. Oh, stay washed in His blood. Child of God, you can only be saved once, but you need to get under that blood every day. Ask Him for the forgiveness of sins. Ask Him for the failures of your life. Say, preacher, I'm not guilty of doing any major thing. Well, what about those things you haven't done for the Lord? I'm as guilty as those as the others. Child of God, let's get under the fountain. Let's get clean, washed white in the blood of the Lamb. I'm glad, man, I'm telling you, I'm a mess. Whew! But He cleaned me. He washed me. 
And man, I can come to Him with a life messed up. Man, I'm telling you, with spot all over it, wrinkled to death. Whoo! It just washes and cleanses. Whoo! Redeems. Man, there's not any sin too far that God can't forgive you. Whoo! Preacher, I've done gone too far. No, you haven't. Oh, Jesus can reach where you are. Bless God, when you can't reach up to Him, He reaches down to you. Man, He'll save your soul.